Okay, you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Elkhart, Indiana. And it's um, it's our premiere episode, Jack. Premiere episode. Something Steve. that we've been talking about. Uh, my name's Steve Peterson. Hi, Steve. My name's Jack Hinkle. And uh, we'll introduce ourselves in a little bit. But uh, thanks for joining us today. We're pretty excited. Um, we are stepping out in an adventure of wanting to better ourselves as educators and as humans, and we'd like to invite you along on the journey. It's, it's true. This is, a, this is a journey of a podcast where we can talk about many things related to education. Like and what, Jack? Music education. Oh, I got you, Steve. Okay. segue. Well, we are always talking about things that we think that we have some good ideas about. It's things in music education stuff like picking out your, your pieces for your programming, best practices in rehearsal, classroom management strategies, all this stuff. And this is stuff that you and I have yes. talked about for the last six years. It's usually been in a band room, in one of our offices, in a car ride, on the phone, whatever. And in those times, it was it was like best practices talking shop, but also provided some catharsis for us yeah, as we it, it, went when, through our rehearsals. If I may, may interject, a lot of this kind of accelerated during COVID. And um, when we didn't really have much to step on or to grab onto, we would check in on Sunday nights and have these discussions for probably an hour. And we probably should have, in hindsight, we probably should have recorded some of that. Yeah, that was probably the best thing to come out of that time period. Right. That's true. And that because we were all navigating a ship in the middle of the night, hitting every iceberg possible, we were able to find some common ground and at least kind of comfort in what we thought we were doing, whether we were not actually doing it. But anyway, though, that provided this is not a COVID podcast. Good God, though. No, please this don't is, listen this to is this. is not another why you're special because you got through COVID podcast. This is, um, but that, that relationship of talking about those things did kind of accelerate its growth during COVID. Yes. And then we found out that it did hit like a... Um, another accelerator of growth as we did a PD topic together this year, um, talking about teaching trifecta. Um, that sounds that sounds really important. Well, we are really important. This, uh, the, the, the teaching trifecta. Teaching trifecta, okay. which we... Um, did you like steal that from some like self-help section in Barnes and Noble, like teach the trifecta? No, that one, but did, that did come from that book that, that kind of inspired it. The, the, the teaching or all fours and fives we stole that we didn't steal it we adapted it right I like it because that guy said know your content know your kids know your students right that was like a big that was like a little so do we have to give a footnote or a credit to him maybe we should invite him on our podcast oh he's a he's a good dude you look yeah. up his name yeah okay so so we we came across that and then um, our school system which is, we'll get into our situation in a little bit more in depth in just a second, but our school system was um, hosting for the second time in two years um, their own <coughs> um, 
professional development day that was grades K through 12. And what was unique about this is that all the presenters were from within Concord Schools, where, where we teach. And not just unique, but probably preferred. Preferred, because um, maybe you're like us, or like me, I don't know, but it's like um, some of our best in-services have been with talking with our colleagues. Yes. And about best practices or the realities of teaching in the cl um, classroom or in the band rehearsal room. And um, we've, we've had some good discussions. So we were, we took on the, the, the challenge or um, said, sure, we'll, we'll do a professional development. And we called it the teaching trifecta. And the trifecta, again, was the um, know your content. So for us, it's music, music ed, instrumental music. Know your content. Second was know how to teach um, best practices, like what kind of, um, not, I'm not going to say tricks, but what kind of um, systems can you use to help students become more successful in your classroom. And then the third one was know your students. And then the next level of that would be like love your content, love the art of teaching and be curious about that and love your students. And so we gave a 45-minute presentation twice, and we had some great feedback. And I think more importantly is that we felt confident and happy to do it. Yes. It, it really didn't feel like a stretch to put it together, and we found that we liked talking about it, and we felt like other people enjoyed being a part of the journey or part of the process. And we made some quick cash from it. Too. And we got bank. Dude, teachers are rolling in money. <laughs> Best Love kept it. secret. Best so, kept secret. So, um, as you're looking at the video, uh, Jack is on the left, and I'm on the right here. Okay, we're sitting in the Menden, which is the outside room of my home here at Elkhart. Well, I'm sure the Menden, like by the end of this podcast, will have like a core, like meaning and and depth to it. Right, oh, that like sure. it will have its its lore. Yeah, this is it. This is where it's happened. Um, Hank Aaron of, sat on this couch right Hank here. Aaron Hank sat Aaron, on Aaron the couch. sat the baseball player. His buttocks have been on this couch. I'm sitting in my grandmother's chair from uh, a lake cottage, and Jack is sitting on a chair by the name of Lenore that I got at Goodwill in Elkhart. Chair has a name. Lenore. It used to be written somewhere. I scraped Lenore. it. So, that's cool. We are here, and it's a beautiful day in June. So. Jack Hinkle, you are, from what I understand reading your bio, you are a music teacher in the Concord Community Schools in Elkhart, Indiana. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Did you, um, where did you gr grow up? Give us a little bit, you know, maybe. You know, Steve, you're very kind. You're very yeah. kind to set me up first. I think it works better if you go first. Really? I think why? it does. Because then it goes in. It, like you set the stage for like what what Concord was for you and how you became part of it, oh. and then I kind of set it in my way. Right? It makes more sense for you to go first. So, Steve, I didn't read your bio because I didn't do my homework for this podcast, but I do know that you also work at the same school as I do. It's called Concord High School, Concord Community Concord Schools, Community Schools in, in Elkhart, Indiana. And it actually, it's um, the mailing address is Elkhart. But if you're looking at a map, it's halfway between the town of Elkhart 
in the town of Goshen, and it's connected by a road called US 33. You know it, you love it. That's true. And Dunlap is basically where the Concord Intermediate School is, the junior high, and the high school. And Flavor Freeze. And Flavor Freeze. Um, there, there's really nothing else. There used to be a bowling alley, but it's, it's, it's just, um, it's a stop on the highway. It but um, yeah, so I grew up in Concord Community Schools. I grew up in the the area known as Dunlap. Um, I grew up there. Um, by the way, I'm 54, so um, I did spend most of my life in Elkhart. I attended a grade school called Concord Eastside, which Concord has four elementary schools, one five six building and one seven eight building. And I went to one of the four schools. It was called Eastside. I was an Eastside Patriot. I went there K through six. It was about a half mile from my home, and um, I grew up with my mom and dad and two older brothers. My two older brothers were involved in the band program at Concord. And in those days, the Concord band was a big deal in the community. Um, and it still is a big deal. There's a, a great following and great support. But um, my brothers were in it. And so I wanted to kind of be a part of that. So I started and played tenor saxophone. Started in the fifth grade. And Jack, you know, the band room that we have now is called B135, and it used to be called 76. And I had, I was in band room 76. And I had Jerry Bordner, God rest his soul, who was uh, retired from the Navy, a Navy musician, and got me playing tenor saxophone. Um, also, should mention a little sidebar is that I had a music teacher, K through 6. I don't know if you know this, Jack. But I had a teacher by the name of Martha Morris. I don't know this. And she was probably in her 60s, I'm guessing, when I had her through K through 6. And she was a complete firecracker. She could play the piano standing up and would play all these folk tunes and folk dances. And she was, I thought in my mind, she was incredible on piano. And she never used any music. She just kind of could bop around and she was super energetic and I just really was attracted to her presence and um, so I'm sure she's not alive I kind of lost track of her but anyway so that was a good that was a good situation then I was in band grade five through eight grade nine I joined high school band um, I was part of that giant marching Minutemen band and had some great experiences. I had um, Joe Beichman was his name for high school band. He was um, the one that kind of stirred up a lot of the support for the marching band in our, in our performing arts department. I had also, um, unfortunately, in the middle of my time at Concord, Joe passed away, which was a big loss. He was there for almost 25 years and he died tragically of cancer and his replacement uh, my junior year his name was Max Jones who ended up being there for 20 years and his assistant Gay Fetters who became Gay Burton uh, was my uh, w those were my band directors and I had a great experience in band um, really the reason I wanted to become a band director was because of the experiences I had I was in, I did play saxophone in the symphonic band. I was a drum major in the marching band. I played different saxophones in the jazz bands. 
and I just had my my friend group was really strong. A lot of them were in the band. We got to travel. We were part of um, going to Hawaii, going to the Orange Bowl, going to Macy's, going to St. Louis. Just had some wonderful opportunities. My family was involved in it. And so I knew that when I graduated high school um, that I wanted to become a band director. And um, so I graduated in 87. And I went down the road to Chicago, Illinois. It's about 100 miles west. And I went to a university called DePaul. With an L. With an L. With an L, because that's the one in Chicago. Because the one with a W is DePaul. And that's where my brother went. Not to be confused with yeah, that. that yeah. So I went to DePaul in Chicago, and I got my degree there. And after... I got my degree there. I ended up moving to Kentucky um, to join a um, Christian mission. I, was, I did some volunteer work with some areas of need in Appalachia, and it was there for three years. I met my wife. Her name is Kathy with a K. She came from the East Coast, and we met down there. Anyway, so uh, my first band directing job, boop, 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 mm -hmm. I was the director of bands yeah. for Everett's High School. And Everett's High School was in Everett's, Kentucky, and it was um, located in Harlan County, Kentucky, which is a very economically challenged area in the middle of the coal mines. Beautiful coal, area, though, right? Beautiful, aesthetically beautiful, or naturally beautiful, I should say, just full of hills and mountains and tree streams and lakes, and just it was wonderful. Um, was the band director there for four years at Everett's High School. And um, I was the only band director for five schools. So that's the high school, the junior, junior high, high, and three elementaries. Three elementaries. One, one man show. Yeah, I was it. So I was totally by myself every day. And it was, again, a beautiful area, but I was the new kid, and I was not from that area. And it did take a few years to kind of establish some rapport with the community and um, when I got there there were under 20 children in the band grade 6 through 12. Work was that's, cut out for you. That's 6 through 12. That was the band. So um, it was tough and uh, we did do marching band. We did uh, concert band and so Stayed there for four years. By the time they left, there were a hundred musicians in the band. There you go. So we were on the upswing, yeah. and there were some good things going on. Um, and maybe someday we could go back and talk more about that, oh, yeah. and maybe That'd talk about Everett's High School to Concord High School. And then yeah. I came up to Concord in 1998. Just finished my 25th year. Um, I do work with. Students, I teach beginning piano. Um, this coming year, I'll be teaching AP theory. I teach concert band, two sections of concert band, two sections of jazz band, and work with the marching band. I am one of five band directors at the high school, but they also teach at um, the junior high as well. So you have six band directors. Then. Six band directors. Six band A lot of teachers. Yeah, you got a lot of teachers. A lot of kids. Lot of kids. So um, I live here in Elkhart with my wife Kathy and my son Adam, who is 22, 
just graduated from Purdue University, and Jacob, who just graduated from Concord High School, is 18. And Oliver, I'm sure Oliver will make oh, a, he will make a guest appearance at some point. So that's kind of where I am. It's um, it's a journey that I, I thought I would end up at Concord. Kind of knew that I would, but I didn't know that I would be in Kentucky for seven years and then eventually come back and work with my former teachers and. Yeah, you're the same school so, you attended. Yeah, and hired by my band director Max Jones, and. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I am now, and um, right. So and you're still doing you're doing music stuff outside, too, and I do. I do. I really enjoy playing piano, and um, I do have a faith life that is important to me. And those have happened to land together, and we attend a Catholic church on the west side of South Bend that it was originally started by African-American families. And the tradition of that church is gospel. So if you know anything about the Roman Catholic Church, there's not a lot of gospel music like African-American traditional gospel being sang in the churches. Um, most of it's European influenced. And so this is a group that um, musically feeds itself yes. on gospel music. And it lets you stretch out your chops a little bit. I have been introduced introduced into gospel music, and so I am the piano player, and I do enjoy doing that. I play every week. And um, then I still play, well, the last couple summers, I still had been involved in our local jazz festival. It's playing saxophone is my other main instrument that I use. And so... um, Kind of what been what I've been doing. Been able to stay active with your music life outside of your professional life, outside of your school life. School life, yeah. yeah. That's good. And um, so yeah, that that would be another thing too that we could talk about. Um, music outside the classroom. music outside the classroom. That's good. There you go. So that's kind of a long-winded answer, but since you're going to be listening to me for, I'm sure it will be a relationship of years and hundreds of, years, episodes, hundreds of episodes. Episodes. We'll be retired, and you'll still be listening. I'm to sure. Yeah. Um, so Steve Peterson. Steve Peterson. That's me. I'm on the right now. I'm looking towards Jack. Jack on the Nicole. left. I'm on the left. And then Jack. And my. Tell us about your journey. My journey is. Similar to Steve's in many ways. I am a homegrown Concord student as well. I attended Concord Oxbow Elementary. Don't you guys have some kind of cheer that you do like every time? Oh, yeah, the yay, oh, ooh, 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 right? Yeah, the, yeah. I don't know. I didn't do the arm motions. I felt too silly. Um, I went to Oxbow and Southside Elementary School. I didn't Concord. know you went to both of those. I did. I, I double dipped. Yeah. Did you have some discipline problems, or did you? Yeah, they just couldn't get rid of me quick enough. <laughs> I was going to go to Westside, too, but they said no. Um, that's a joke. That's that's not real if the government's listening. Um, I'm well-behaved. Um, so I went there, and then went to, um, in sixth grade at Southside was when I started my band career through Concord Junior High, and I had Scott Spradling as my main director. And, I know and that Steve, guy. You, you I know, know Scott Spradling. I know him, too. He's still He's still there. Well, he's not at the junior high, but he's still around. And I think Steve, for three, I think all three of those years, you were 
the assistant director of the junior high. Right. I was next door in the woodwinds. Teaching woodwinds. Yes, I'm a trumpet player, so I did not. You could hang probably out tell the by the way he was talking that he was a trumpet player. Yeah, it's, I just act like I know everything. Um, so, so I was in sixth grade band with Scotch Bradling and played trumpet and had a good junior high band experience and then went on through seventh and eighth and was still really enjoying it um, and went on to high school to participate in the high school band. And I attended Concord High School and we were, we weren't the giant marching Minutemen band. We were just, just the marching, we were the marching Minutemen. Yeah. Um, and I, um, I had the same band director Steve had, um, Gay Burton, at, who, uh, yes, Gay Burton at that point. And there was a team of, I think about six or seven. Yeah. And Steve was a part of that. Scott Spradling also a part of that. Um, and then our current colleague Brian Golden taught there. And oh, Brian Golden, he's a good guy. And then I think Virginia Burns was there. Yep when I was in high school. Um, so I had done trumpet in band and marching band, um, and I, I was just still loving it and, and loving playing and, and getting to do all that, especially at high school, and I'm sure you felt like a similar way. You were right. a little more challenged, and right. you were able to kind of um, participate more fully based on the difficulty level, which was really fun. Um, so kept with it, joined jazz band my sophomore year on trumpet, and I was in Steve's jazz band at that point, whoop, whoop. so he and I jazz started two. hanging out. Jazz too, man. And you played trumpet? Played trumpet. You played Night in Tunisia. Dude, I tore that. He uh, was on it. My solo was 100% written out, but it's fine. But he was swinging. But I was, well, I don't know if I was swinging that for years. Sophomore, though. Sophomore. And then um, things really changed for me my junior year because Concord offered the AP music theory class that year. And I was, oh. um, I had picked up guitar over the summer and was kind of, <laughs> enjoying that journey and I I was kind of um, into the theory side of things but didn't know what I was doing yet and taking music theory AP music theory with Steve my junior year really opened up some doors for me there and I got to see more of what I could do with music and started writing and arranging um, for a small jazz combo I was a part of and what um, was the name of that group? We were Three Guys with Rhythm. Ask me how many we had, Steve. How many were in that uh, group? Probably band? three guys. You would think three guys. Oh, but we no. were seven. Yeah. We were seven. They gave me their bass drum head. It's still with, in his office. It's hanging up in my office, and they all signed it. <coughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we were three guys with a rhythm section. That was the joke. Oh, so like there were three four horns. In the, yeah, three horns and then four in the rhythm. So there were seven of us. Okay. Did not work well when we tried to get gigs, and they're like, yeah, we can pay a three-person group. <laughs> Oh, sweet. Five bucks. That would be another one, how to market yourself as we a did. small combo. We did. Some dude legit gave us a $20 <laughs> bill after a gig and said, don't spend it all in one place. Seven people, 20 bucks. I think we bought three Little Caesars pizzas and called wow. it a day. Thank you, Mr. Thank Generosity. You. Thank yeah. you. Keeping live yep. music alive. Um, so then uh, I was in Jazz One that year as well, playing trumpet, which was a blast, and, and being in Steve's band for that as well. And then senior year, I was a drum major for the marching band. Was in two jazz bands, playing trumpet and jazz one, guitar and jazz two. Awesome. And uh, beginning the search for colleges for music yep. education. So, because I, I knew that's what I wanted to do, and moving on with that was good. So I attended Butler University. The Bulldogs. The Bulldogs. Home of Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hinkle Fieldhouse. You would think I'd get some sort of scholarship, something no, being written. No, no nothing. No. Um, so but it is kind of the, like Hinkle Fieldhouse is kind of like a basketball mecca 
of Indiana. Oh, it's legit. Well, of college basketball. It's one of the prized old school arenas. It is. And in the, I was in the basketball band, and all the stands say Hinkle on it. Like, they're spray-painted because they need to go back to that building. So, like, my freshman year, I was like, hey, it's my state. And kids are like, you're stupid. <laughs> so, did, did uh, the Indianapolis thing for four years, getting that degree, and that was um, really rewarding being in Indianapolis, getting a music education degree. Yeah. Um, a lot of powerhouse schools there for band. And uh, student taught at Decatur Central with um, Tim Cox, and that was a really enjoyable experience, and at Carmel Middle School as well. Um, and then I, I did not think I would come back to Concord. Well, I was going to ask you that if, if that was something like you thought, or did you imagine that you would? Well, I end thought up. I'd end up in the Indy area because that's what sure. everyone did at Butler, and sure. they're a good school, so it would have been fine. But um, my senior year, like toward the end, I got the call from from Scott Spradling telling me about the opening, and why wouldn't I want to do that? So that was that was really cool. So that was right out back. of college. Right out of college. So I've been in this job at Concord since 2017 this we just we're in summer right now hallelujah and then this coming year will be year seven for me awesome yeah so at Concord my job has kind of shifted around um, based on the needs of the school but right now I am teaching um, concert band I teach marching band I teach a curricular jazz class an after-school jazz class and a class piano in music theory, and I am um, helping out with the beginning orchestra mm -hmm. at the junior high mornings. Um, and that's at a different building. That is that is at the junior high, but it gets confusing because we teach the intermediate school students who are oh, shipped right. bust over there in the mornings. So that's my background, Jack Hinkle, and then we kind of have our own background, Jack and Steve, because of this student-teacher relationship we had going on right. and and I and like when I was a kid like I really looked up to you and really enjoyed your classes and then and, you got to meet me and, and then I got like to meet it. you and thought you were a huge <laughs> jerk I'm trying to fix you that's why he came to Concord that's was, why we're making was, the podcast it was a rehab yeah. for me I didn't it's realize for him um, but you kind of showed me like that you can really figure out music and you can get really good at music but you keep the people at the forefront along the way and we're, we're growing kids and I thought that that was like a really cool thing you did in your classroom and I wanted to do that when I got into the workforce as a teacher um, so now Steve and I get into this stuff because we're co-teachers um, and we co-teach we are what do we co-teach we I ask myself that every day what well, we, 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 we really do <coughs> co-teach a lot. Like we well, do. One is the, the marching band, and the, all hands on deck for that. For there sure. are seven adults that do teach that, um, that are Concord employees. Yes. So we, by virtue of being band directors and part of the marching band um, culture, we teach that together. So we're on the same team for that. We are on the same team for that. Um, we don't teach jazz band together per se but um because of jack's involvement and his interest and passion and skills he was able to add a third jazz band at concord as a curricular band and then he mentioned there's an after school jazz band but then i teach jazz band one and jazz band two and so even though we don't teach each other we don't teach with each other there is a lot of 
talking Tons and of collaboration. Pla- collaboration about programming, about travel, about um, performances, about improvisation, and that would be something else we could yeah. get into. Um, but we don't, <coughs> we don't officially teach the same class at the same time. So the one class that we do co-teach, Steve. Yes. Why don't you give us a little well, dive down that? Yeah. Well. At Concord, we're fortunate enough to have um, a number of contrabands. And when Jack first started, it was called the Fourth Hour Philharmonic, which was the third band. And we had three bands back in the day. And we had three bands. So we had um, the symphonic band and the concert band. And then rather than call it the third band, we just had a little fun with it and called it Fourth Hour Phil or Fourth Hour Philly. Oh, yeah. So Jack and I taught that. And then in the last few years, our schedule changed, so now it's in seventh period, and our band went to four bands, and the um, um, the, the band, the fourth band, was called the Seventh Period Sinfonietta. And Jack and I started teaching that in... Um, 19. 19. 1920 school year. Right. Best school year ever. Whoop, whoop. So year we ever. have been teaching that together... Um, ever since day one, basically yes. the either the third or fourth band. Yes. And that band, just to kind of give you an idea, is um, over, I'd say, 60-70% freshmen, mm-hmm. and then sprinkling of sophomore, junior, and seniors, mm-hmm. right? And that is a band that meets, um, you know, on its own, and it's been anywhere from 50 people down to 30 people, and we kind of like kind of like early on i was the lead teacher in that and jack would do the brass and i would do the woodwinds but i did more the full band podium Mm -hmm. time and then as we have kind of got to know each other and gotten to know the program and what we're doing we it's kind of shifted more towards the other way where jack is kind of more the lead teacher but i would say our podium time is like 50 50. oh yeah we we do that we're co-teachers and everything we do in that class is some kind of collaboration absolutely whether it's um assessments whether it's warm-ups whether it's attendance and grades whether it's discipline um selecting music registering for contests um handouts canvas we're we're all we're in it. Yes, so we're talking to each other all the time. And so, and that was something that was really important to us, is that try to make it a true team um, collaboration. So if I'm gone for whatever reason, if I'm out of the building or out of the room, or I'm with a section, it's not a problem if we flip and then Jack takes over mm-hmm. or vice versa. And um, it's. And then even if teacher one is on the podium and teacher two is in the room, there's a constant like dialogue yes. or influx of information. And that's something that we've really committed to yes. is that um, to share that responsibility. And we find that that works well for us and that it's more fun. It is more fun. And the kids dig it too. Right. Because the kids have a relationship with both of us. Right. And, and they know what, what they're getting into, whether it's Mr. P or Mr. Hinkle. Right. Um, so that band kind of launched our sense of like collaboration as teachers because we we were working closely for the last six years through that band, but then 
when we started doing other stuff and just getting to know each other better professionally and working together, we started having these talks and we're like, man, we should, we should do something with this. Right. So that led us to this PD this past year, right. this teaching trifecta, which by the name, the, by the way, the book author was Andrew Sheros, all fours and fives. And I think he mentioned, know your kids, know your teaching, know your content. And he was like an AP world history. U.S. history, AP US, U.S. History. history teacher talking about best practices. So, excellent. <coughs> we we came back excellent to teacher. like as we we signed up for the the PD, but we didn't really know what we were going to talk about right away. Right. We're like, well, and you had done one the last year by yourself. Yes, and I did one that was called teaching, trying to reach uh, reaching the kids on the sidelines. Yes. And it it was more geared towards relationship building with students, not as much like best practices teaching per se, but just building relationships and especially maybe the students um, that were struggling in some dimension of their life. And, but then we thought this year, let's do it. And it, I thought it was kind of interesting because we probably signed, I think it happened in March. Yeah. And we probably signed up in late January or something like yes. that. And it never really seemed like stressful. Like, no. Uh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna oh, do? What are we gonna do? Yeah, like yeah. you know, yeah, it was fine. Um, we, and I'm sure that you know many of many of you and many of your colleagues give give professional development, but what it was for us was uh, an excuse to kind of um, crystallize or solidify some yeah. ideas about teaching, and we're. We were kind of all over the place. We had a slideshow going, and we're like, well, how can we kind of synthesize this? So, you know, we came up with the kind of stole that or just barred the, the trifecta of know your students, know your content, and know your teaching, and come up with a, um, a presentation based on that. And and we we taught together for long enough that we kind of, we have a good thing going, like um, when we're two people in front of a group. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. We know how to kind of work through that, and that kind of success that we've had through that. <coughs> excuse me, has been what we wanted to do with this podcast. Right. So taking that idea is kind of launching us today, and then we have a lot of other topics we could go to in the future. Yes. Yes. And so yeah, using that as the three pillars and. You know, it would, it would be really fun to be able to have a roundtable discussion with, you know, 10 or 20 music educators. But, you know, if you were to boil down your teaching and to the essence uh, and to the raw materials of, like, what's there? what What is it that you do? I think that basically teaching material and students covers everything that we do everything everything and it kind of helps us to kind of think about that and uh this is a disclaimer disclaim it disclaim, disclaim i'm gonna it. disclaim this that uh we do not live in the trifecta we seek the trifecta we occasionally commune with the trifecta right yeah that meaning like all three are available at one time in a lesson or in a rehearsal or in a performance. Those are good days. Those are great days. Um, we also have days where two of them are present and one is hiding from us. And then there's days that one or possibly zero, if you can imagine that, but we all have those days where you just kind of scratch your head and just wonder what happened. Um, 
and also I think um, to take a quote from Jack's playbook um, is that it's a puzzle is that teaching is a puzzle and it's not the finished product that is the satisfaction it's th th to find that progress to snap those pieces together and those pieces that we're using again the teaching and you're knowing your how to um, how to teach know your material and know your students putting those together mm -hmm. and um, we've had a good time doing that and I know that we've we were kind of speaking in generalities right now and we've been talking for over 25 minutes about kind of who we are and where we came from but we our intent is to really is to get involved in specific issues mm -hmm. and not issues but topics that are meaningful to us and maybe how they looked as a celebration or as a loss like where did we come fall short and mm -hmm. where did we have those celebrations and um, we would like to use um, real life examples um, in being respectful to our school community and to our um, students we will um, use other names right to not single out students yeah. but to also but to give you the details of you know the real world the real world of what's happening yeah. and so when I when I think of those three the trifecta there's probably some there's probably one of them that is easier for me not, I mean, not. It's not easier for you, but for one of the one of those trifecta. You're saying it's not easy for me. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm just saying for me. For you. I kind of know which one. I know which one for you too. Right, and then I would imagine for anybody that's listening, including Jack, who again is on my left, is has one. That. Kind of is feels easiest to work on. Well, and I would say too. I think. I say one is more important than the others. Can I say that? Gee, Jack. I Gee, bet Jack, you want I bet to. I want to because I think the one Steve's gonna say is easiest for him. I say is the most important. I would say, as my opinion, non-factual based. Andrew Sheros, I'm sorry if you dis if you disagree. That's fine. You're probably right anyway. But Steve, the one you find easier. The one I find easier. Yes. Is the knowing your students or loving your students. So why? That is the one I thought you would say, which is the one I think is most important. Why does that come easy to you? What do you find? I find... By the way, if you hear this oh, squeaking, squeaky. yeah, again, this is a chair from my uh, grandmother, Grandma Jane, and it's probably uh, 60 years old. So 60 years? Man, this thing is looking great for 60. Yeah, it's like me. So, um, And we did decide, another disclaimer, another disclaimer that the we think the best teachers are themselves that'll we'll get into that in a second but we also thought we don't know what we're doing with podcasting no this is our first this is our this is the pilot right yeah okay wait cut away for like a minute okay <laughs> during the pandemic during the dumpster fire <laughs> that covid was and it sounds like jack is COVID right my now, own dumpster fire, but yeah we got involved in a podcast we oh my god we did not okay there were two women in the community that I knew that were friends, some of my best friends, their mothers. They were, they're in their 70s and they wanted to come up with a podcast. And we got involved 
Um, during, they wanted a theme. They wanted a theme, a song. theme song. And that was during the hybrid year, 20 and 21, where things were just kind of bonkers. And so Jack and I wrote, well, Jack wrote a... It was like an intro theme. An intro theme, because they kind of... They didn't want to have to worry about copyright stuff, so they had Jack wrote a, an original tune, and it was a jazz combo, like a little... 12-bar blues kind 12 of 12-bar yeah. bop and blues, and he played trumpet. You played sax. I played sax. And then I made a little MIDI background on GarageBand thing. Yeah. We recorded it in the band room. Yeah. On a Friday. On a which Friday when we didn't teach. We, we, we didn't have kids in the building. Oh, I should say. Yeah. Where we, we didn't, didn't have, have kids in the building. Careful, Jack. The mic yeah. is live. Um... Then we went to these women's house on Friday afternoons to help them put their content into a format that was accessible to the public. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you the name of the content. I'm not going to tell you the name of the podcast because I don't want you to listen to it. But I did see two years later they have 49 views. 49 views today yeah. after, after two years. Wow. And I think... We're three of them because you listen. Yeah, we're you three of them. Once I opened it once, and we just, we just opened, opened it, it again. again. But we we don't anyway. That's just be to say that we don't have any experience doing podcasts. No, like the pacing of things, the the distribution. We got nothing. We get, so we're not sure how this is going to go. We're we're just it's um, but that's where we are. So the love of students. Okay. Oh, that's that's oh because we were talking about podcasting. Right. Gotcha. Okay. okay. But you asked me, and then I. So I think oh, yeah, we're we're, we're going to say the same thing. I love yes. the students. So if this is a, this is a big one, right? This is a big one because um, it's not something that the love of students or the Knowing your students is the first level, and then loving them is the second level, right? Is that there's not a lot of emphasis put on that. And now you're a more recent college graduate than I am. Oh, you're talking in your schooling? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel good about the schooling I had, and I know that you did, being a Butler Bulldog. But, and I know so, certainly social-emotional learning has become more um, to the top or yeah. to the fore. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm not really necessarily talking about social emotional no. learning. That's that that's something that is like been prescribed and something that has been um, mandated at different Correct. times and and maybe not authentic. But for the past thirty years, yes. prior to the SEL buzzwords coming around, it was kind of expected that as teachers we kinda have a way of manipulating that within our own classroom that we can yes. throw in social emotional learning bits and pieces and right. nuggets and that is something you're right good at right and so it's really just comes basically down to do you know the students that you're you're teaching and do you care to know the students that you're teaching and not as a byproduct of getting to work with them every day through a school year but as not as a byproduct, but like as um, one of the pillars of like oh, yeah. knowing you and talking to you every day, and um, which would be 
maybe this would be a good time to talk about one of the non-negotiables in oh, our yeah. with and we kind of made it a non-negotiable and we made it kind of like a little buzzword with ourselves yes and and it's not even that it's non-negotiable it's that like well i mean it is but it's like we want to we're doing it because we want to right Right. And you're talking about every kid every day. Right. That's what every you're talking kid. about. And this is something that Steve came up with. This was at the beginning. Did of I the, steal this? I don't know. Did you? I, I did know. my homework. Did you? <laughs> uh, Steve I had some goldfish. this. Yeah. Foreign goldfish. I love that sound. Um, Steve had this at the beginning of this school year, right? That was like your your goal. Beginning oh, of this past school year, right? That was. At the beginning of marching band. Because I remember band. you telling me that, and I was like, dude, that's tough because you got 50 kids in your section. But he said, I need to get to I work with kid. the flutes and clarinets. He's, got, he's got the good kid. I got the good kid. No, but I just dropped the goldfish. <laughs> no, but the idea was that he would talk to every kid every day in, in like a meaningful something, right? Like eye contact and an, an exchange of words. But with your marching band section, like that's that can be tough when you got, I mean, an Indiana marching band, you know, everything's kind of go, go, go. Right. And that was his. We got time for kids. We don't have time for kids. It's marching band, man. We just know some rhythms, feet. Uh, so he, that was his goal. And in concert band, we carry that over with our group, and that's that's easier because it's less kids. And they're sitting down. And they're sitting down. And they the wind's move. not blowing. No wind. No. Yeah, we're so indoors. No rain. What's that look like in band room one thirty five B one thirty five? What's that look like? When we do every kid every day. Now we also had the luxury of having two teachers in that room, which is helpful. But when the kids are walking in, he, Steve and I are going up to every kid and saying hi and doing some sort of handshake, fist bump, like some sort of acknowledgement, like you're here, I'm here. It's good to see you. Like right. thank you for being here. And the kids, I think the kids notice that. Like they pick up on that right. and they. And some of them like need that and dig that because they'll. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like, if I miss a kid or something, yeah. and then I like go on, they're like, "Hey, what the heck, man?" <laughs> you didn't like, like, me. Like, I, I'm sorry, right, I thought I right, got you. Right. And so, so they like they feed off of that. So, and one of us may be at the door, one of us may be in the front of the room. Usually, we have some kind of music playing. And usually, I'm coming from another classroom. Right. So, so you're, there is that there, there is that tra transition. Um. But one of us may be in the front of the room, one of us at the door. Yes. And and there's and we like to have that vibe of like the music playing, like this is happy, this is what we're doing, smiles and saying, right. Hey, let's go. But we're usually kinda um, telling them like, All right, it's for not long tone something, but it's not like a like hey, I'm mad at you way. It's just like let's do it. This is let's what go. we're doing, let's go. Right. And that's been successful. Um, I think another way you do this is when you do your warm-ups with them, and I started doing this because you did it, is that Aww. we do our, I know, <laughs> touching moment, we do our F concerts, you're making eye contact with every kid. Right. And in a group of 38, you can do that in three or four F concerts. Right. And and that's a way of us checking in with them. Right. On the bandstand, even as the big bad director in the front of the room, you're standing up on a podium, Yeah. but you see them yeah and you're seeing them and also you're hearing them that's a, that's another trifecta thing to talk mm -hmm. about but seeing them <coughs> and to know that more importantly that they they're seen they're seen and so and also it may look like if um you know jack comes in at a different time if i'm at the door then he may be like just to kind of give you an idea kids are warming up or we're handing out papers or they're 
setting up, but he's going in between the rows in the stands. Yes. And like patting every kid on the back or fist bumping or handshaking or, you know, some small conversation. Even when it's nutty and, you know, how band rooms can be and there's a lot of commotion, a lot of sounds, but every kid, every day. And some of you may be compelled to say, how do you have time for that? And our answer is, you don't have time not to. You don't have time not to. Brother, sister, whatever. Got to get it going. Yeah. You got you to gotta make time for that every day. And um, so uh, thank you for reminding me. I didn't realize I oh, I remember our that. stick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. Oh. That, no, I didn't oh, realize. Oh, eye I, contact. No, I didn't realize I said that at the beginning of the school year. Oh, sorry. But now, I mean, I do do that. Yeah. And marching band, which again is a different pace. Um, you know, the learning curve is pretty steep. Yes. But making that time every day to, even if your rehearsal starts two minutes late, that is, that's an investment. That's a investment in the kids. And yes. I will just tell you, it is not, it, it seems like a shtick. And it seems like, hello, my baby, hello. Like, just being like goofballs. But it's not. It's, it's like, not. It's, it's real authenticity of talking to people. Yes. I mean, because they're, they're the constant in the school. Yes. Are the kids. Yes. They're there every day or, you know, near every day. But that that's the idea. So, again, it's not a... I could see maybe how a cynical side of this or... Um, yeah, a cynical side would be just like, oh, that's that's lame. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's that works for a second. It's all touchy feely. Yeah, not like kids anything. don't. You know, dude, kids are high school. High school baritone players don't want that. You know. Oh, I've seen high school baritone players. They don't want they, that. Yeah, uh, the tubas don't even look. At, no, but like if you make eye contact with every kid every day and have some little greeting, you know, and then you'd be surprised what you'll get to know. About talking oh, to the kids. Yeah, you'll be very surprised. But that was, I mean, that's the secret to our success. What, like, in that room is is having that. And success doesn't mean they play better because of that. No. But I'm sure there is some correlation with their effort levels based on the social feedback that they receive from us and their classmates. Right. So, so this is kind of interestingly enough leading us into like knowing teaching because we're talking about how we're through the kids, like how we are working through um, our job is teaching and, and choosing the tools. Um, so going back to this like sense of um, it's not a shtick. No. Um, in these talks that Steve and I've had, we've professed the idea that the best teachers are authentically themselves. Say that again. The best teachers are authentically themselves. Yes. And we can think of rock stars at our school, teachers, that are totally different personalities, but are so effective. Teacher by the name of Kathy Green, who taught English at Concord, was the um, like the epitome of the like loving caregiver of yes. a teacher, and that was authentic. And kids loved her because of that. And she challenged them to do great things with writing, yes. and reading, yes, right, and composition. And yes. she had incredible results. But she would be there with the kids every day. Yes. And other teachers, um, I had a math teacher, his name was Matt, Matt Schrock, and he was like a total goofball and like did karaoke lessons, but... He had a girlfriend, right? Yeah, her name was Katy Perry. He no, I oh, I'm sorry, sorry, I, I no, messed that son no. up. No, no. he said that was his fake girlfriend. Um, his girlfriend was Matt. That's what you're talking about. He dated about. Matt. He dated Matt. And he um, owned it. 
Oh, he owned it. And and I passed that AP test. Yes, you did. Boom. That was yep. the last math class I ever had to take. And he's he like total goofball. And and but that was who he was. Right. And kids were attracted to the authenticity that yes. he gave us. So so we we continue with that um, idea that we we need to be ourselves when we teach, and we can't try to be somebody else. And I think a lot of young teachers try to be preach it. They try to be their like their mentor teacher when they were a kid, like someone that they really loved. They're like, I need to be like this teacher. Um, or when you're student teaching, you want to be like oh. your cooperating teacher. Shout out to anybody that's student teaching right now. Oh, like, God bless you. I mean, that's, that's, real. that's, that's tough because you're hopefully teaching with somebody that's talented yes. and has good experience um, and that their way works for them because it's being authentic. Yes. And I remember like being in those post meeting student teaching and they're like, Well, you just like haven't found your voice yet. And I just remember feeling like really frustrated. I was ding, like, How ding, do I ding, how ding, do I do that? <laughs> but it just like takes time, right? So you gotta figure out who you are. So that was like one of the one of the things that we talked about in our um, good teaching and what, what we think is good teaching. Another idea we had was the quadrants. Yes. Right? Yep. The quadrants, um, you may have seen something about this about like learning leading lucky losing losing um you know certainly quad quadrants are um a way of um, categorizing information and observations and we came up with a way of in regards to the love of teaching that if you're correcting or let me say that in a you're given a situation and, you, and you're responding to a student. Yes. And there's yes. only four ways you can respond to a student. Okay. There's four ways. Yes. Um, you can you can acknowledge them and their behavior or their whatever's going on publicly, or you could do it privately. Okay. So if there is a uh, behavior going on that you want to see changed, you could do that in front of the band. Or you could do it one-on-one -on -one off the podium, um, outside the band room, or just next to them in a chair. Okay. The other thing that you can do is that um, you can nudge a student. I used to say punch, but I, I would just disclaimer: yeah, never, well, never said that. Don't say but, punch. but the idea was nudge. You nudge a student is that you're you're pushing them, you're encouraging them, you're. Um, well, you're, you're, no, you're, I, I, you're trying to dismiss a behavior, saying don't do this. It's, sorry, it's like yeah, usually a negative well. connotation, yeah. right? Right. So, so that's like the nudge of saying like, hey, don't do that. Hey, that was a bad choice. Yeah, that's stop right. doing stop. that. Stop. stop doing that. Okay. And then the other one, sorry, I kind of twisted that up. The other one is hug. And the hug is more the positive feedback, the things that you want to keep on yes. building. So you can basically praise or, or punish, punish right. a student in public. Or in private. Yes, and and we're we're kind of always trying to figure out the best way to do the like is is this a public hug moment or is this a private nudge? Right. It's a public nudge. Private. How do you hug. know? How do you know if it's a public private nudge? That's the question, hug. right? That's the question. I think that's where it comes back to knowing your students. Knowing your students. That comes and back to. Well, we I we had this example toward the end of the year with one of our students in our band coming in late, right? Consistently. Yes. And. This would have, would have been must have been the time when you were on the podium and I was off at the beginning because I this this student had that you know track record of doing that so I pulled him aside I was gonna go I think I went private I 
we want private nudge. Okay. So I pulled him aside and I was like, dude, stop this. It's me. Right. Like, because he, he walks in with his girlfriend every day, right? <laughs> like, it's me. You know what you We just get here. And so, you know, you can count him tardy, right, but right, like, right. What, what does that do in his mind, you know? So right. I'm just like, come on, figure this out. Like, let's go. And I wasn't too worked up about it because, like, he's a 15-year-old boy. Sure, he'll pick hanging out with his girlfriend instead and of warming up his saxophone. A a warm, warm, happy-spirited student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah, we a, like not a punk. And, and, and he he never he never would say what look what's no, your problem, man? Like like he was like yeah 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 yeah. I know. You know, so and we, that's how he reacted. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, you're a knucklehead. Get over there. Yeah. <laughs> so so then he kept. He kept getting tardy, right? Yeah. And then, so I went private nudge, and then I think you were probably still on the podium because it was public at that point. Then it became public It nudge. was public nudge. Well, except you kind of, you eased the tension. You said, if your name is not so-and-so, <laughs> yeah. don't listen to me right now. <laughs> and then you just kind of went after me. I kind of went after, raised my voice, <laughs> said, knock it off. Mr. Hinkle's already talked to you two times about yeah, this. Yeah. Stop doing it. I said, okay, this is over. Everybody else, you can start listening again. And right? he stopped, right? And he stopped. He was good. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, and that's what worked for us, but we also knew the kid, and we were right. very clear with our expectations, and, and in some ways it's lucky, because that was a, that was a good kid. Right. And he, he needed more he than the He didn't need problem. a nuclear warhead no. to solve that problem. No. So he, he figured it out. So that was, like, um, a good thing. So that that's an example of... Knowing your teaching. Yes. And then we should also Best talk practices. about um, the our little, right, like our, our, our shocking, right? Oh, our, our cards. Yeah. That oh. was in, that's in teaching. Yes. So when we gave this, um, when we gave this professional development, we, we had a few props and we had on pieces of paper, we had one of them that said shocking. Yes. One that said fascinating. One that said imagine that or classic. Classic. And so the idea was, for example, Mr. Peterson, um, I don't have my music today. Classic. <sighs> Mr. Peterson, oh, dude, I I'm scheduled for work on that dress rehearsal. I I don't know. I don't think I can make it. Uh, fascinating. Oh my gosh, I chipped a read again. Let me get another. Oh, I'm out of reads. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. So, so the idea is that. You just dismiss, you dismiss kids' behavior and let them do what they want. Right? That's what best teachers do. Right, you just low, let kids. Low standards, let low the kids expectations. Run it. Let the kids run it. Right. Okay, so really, what that means really is what? Is that um, you're going to have those moments every day. And I had so many, I don't know if I told you this, but the kids in Jazz 3 started, like, they would get mad at me when I said um, classic, because I said it so much. But I guess this is why. Because right. when we do this, it's it's a way as a teacher to, it's it's a pressure release valve. Yeah, it's a diffuse. It's a diffuse for, for ourselves. Yes. And in some ways for the kids, but mostly for ourselves. Because we know in the business of teaching, in the business of teenagers, that they're not always going to be the most organized and they're going to have problems with their instrument or with shocking. attendance. I know yeah. it's shocking. Now we don't dismiss that that's like acceptable because that's, it's not like you got to have your reads, you got to have right. your music, whatever. Right. But it's a way for us to just like diffuse in the moment and say, okay, 
We'll figure it out. And it's a way that we don't lose our mind over it because you and I have seen teachers get real worked up about these things and getting worked up about it does right. nothing. It does nothing. I mean, just imagine wherever you're teaching right now, imagine the teacher across the school or down the hall or whatever. It's like, can you believe it? They were tardy again today. They were, oh my gosh. And like, you just want to put a huge classic sign above their head and say, right. it, it happens. It, and, it's gonna, it's and, gonna keep and, happening. And, and it, that doesn't mean you accept the behavior. And you, you, you find out if you need to nudge or hug or publicly or privately. But and you find a way to solve that and to maybe it's sanctions, maybe it's grades, maybe whatever it is. But it's not out of the question that a kid in your day of teaching that a student's going to be tardy, or that when you do a pencil check in contraband. You're gonna have a French horn player that doesn't have a pencil. Oh, the French horn players have the pencil. That's true. Because they have that little snap thing they put yeah, in they on just, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually yeah. it's like the, it's the trumpets. You gotta watch out for those guys. Right. Yeah. So so that's something that, that we've we and especially this year, I felt like that was like big for us this year as a good change that we were better about handling those situations within our classes. What would you say like um what would you say is the one that we use the most? Which word? No, like which quadrant? Oh, oh, quadrant. Public hug. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Those are easy. Those are easy. And you, you can give those out like every day. But then they're not authentic if you do them all. No, yeah, they are. Absolutely. Totally authentic. You, you don't want somebody pulling you aside and telling you like good job for things that maybe you didn't think people noticed. But there's there's public hugs oh, there yeah, for every kid. For sure, every kid. So so we hit the we hit the good um, knowing your kids. Mm -hmm. We hit knowing teaching. So what's left is knowing content. Right. And again, this is kind of like a primer, our premiere episode. Yes. So we will dive deep. We will do deep dives into like specific topics in the yes. future. And every topic we have will go to one of those three trifectas. Yes. Yeah. Or, or multiple at once. Um, so we talked about knowing your content, which for us is music, band, teaching band. Um, and this probably of the three is the most like concrete, I would say. Yes. Probably the most objective and, and easy to understand. Um, so ways that we know and love our content and, and show that we know and show that we love um, well, it's easy because you teach music, and that everybody likes music, Jack. Everybody likes music. That's true, dude. Our job is so easy. I can't imagine. I don't know why we get paid. It's why do we get paid? We show up to work. We just have fun all day. Hang out with kids. Play music. You're you, positive with kids. You just give them compliments, and you you get to work with music. The band. The band has the best kids anyway. Right. You guys just have the best kids. It's best easy kids. for you guys. Um, so what's that look like um, for you, Jack? For knowing my content, knowing my kids. Well, so it's basically, I think, if I may, you it's, may. It's professional development at a personal level, as a lifestyle. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing what? And, well, in like you're talking like outside of school, like what am I doing? Or are you talking in school? Let me. I'll just go. Okay. So like going in, um, knowing knowing your content, um, for for lesson planning. For example, yes. I would say that's like kind of part of your content because you have to know what you're going to teach before you teach it. Shocking, right? Um, so when I'm like going in, 
I always I always know where I'm going in my lessons and I know I have like these ideas that I want to hit every day and I don't know how I'm going to get there which I found has, has helped me is, is teaching helped me is teaching right. I know I want to get this done do I know how I'm going to do it not yet I have some ideas but I want to see how how things um, are reacting in the room before I get there right um, I do a lot of listening I do a lot of listening to the music I play, like the, the music we're working on in the classroom. Like on your own or in the class? Both. Okay. Especially jazz music, okay. right? So I'm listening to the tunes that we're playing. I'm listening to what we need to do and how we sound different. Um, and I, I do listen to it with the kids, especially in jazz band, because they, um, they find help with that too. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I do um, like during the day. And then showing the love of our content we had mm -hmm. talked about that that's like a big deal too um in the classroom same thing that we we play for our kids you and i both right, right, like right. when we're teaching jazz band i know you bring your saxophone or you're yep. sitting at the piano yep. i always have my trumpet right in jazz rehearsals um and playing with them and that's like that's part of knowing the content because you're showing that you're not you're demonstrating that but also showing that you love it and like it's fun right. like we're having fun when we get to play right. with the kids um so that's that's kind of what's going on in the classroom um, for me, and I'm sure there's other stuff that I'm, I'm missing here. But tell me what you're doing when you're in the classroom. Um, so the um, you know I think a, a big part of it with showing you know the love of love of the content in the classroom definitely is playing along with the kids or um, why like why have your saxophone. Well, because you don't have to talk. And if you're talking, I mean, not that talking's bad, but like if you're talking about a musical concept, like how many ways can you say shorter, longer, harder, soft, you know, all I this say kind of stuff? Right. When One few work. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So using that as a sound example about what to do yes. is really efficient. But I also feel very comfortable playing my saxophone, playing a lick, a lick that they have. Mm -hmm. um, also, like, challenging myself, like, when I started um, many years ago, like, teaching jazz band, I didn't feel comfortable sitting at the piano, like, demonstrating what should be happening in this, this kind of situation. And because of my study of piano, I mean, I've progressed for... for many years about learning piano and like learning what it means when I see those chord symbols and like in that style what are some tricks that I can pass along to students and then infuse that to when I'm when I'm playing um, the other thing is that we can think about um, professional development like for ourselves oh yeah sure um, on, a, on a personal level about like the ways we recharge our batteries into the fundamentals of music and like I had shared earlier at the beginning of the episode that um, there's a real joy for me playing gospel piano mm -hmm. and there's a lot of attraction to me for that for a lot of different reasons body mind and spirit but like the musical side of me I'm playing a side of music that is new to me in the last 10 years and so I scrub a lot of YouTube videos and I jot ideas down and I uh, 
attempt to put those concepts into play like I was just watching a video last night about using passing chords and about using fully diminished sevenths oh, as love that as passing chords and right oh, okay just yeah, toggling yeah. back toggling. and forth yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in, in in common gospel cadences or setups okay and um, like going into the one six four chord you know how do we do that um, so something that that excites me yes um, on a on a musical level on an intellectual level so that's helping me know my music um, with my um, usually since now we're in summer that um, I usually do have like an artist of the summer that I listen to okay right well so, you were working you had your challenge this year for you yeah your kids you're gonna get through the yes we took we took um, 100 historically significant recordings. Like the Jamie Abersall. Jamie, yeah, right. out of Jamie Abersall. It's just a plug for his book. It's a free book. It's a PDF. You put Jamie Abersall, free PDF. His book comes up. I heard he's going to be sponsoring this podcast. We should have him come on. Oh, dude, he'd be he'd be all over He lives that. in southern Indiana. New Albany, I believe. Oh, yeah. that's right by the border. Okay. Yeah, he's down there. So he um, has a list of 100 albums. And so um, I don't think you knew this, but I put this into a playlist last week. Yeah, you didn't know this. So okay. I took those 100 albums cool. and I put them in to a playlist. Oh my God. And so now that's my summer playlist using that. But um, when I did listing assignments with students, like using Canvas and asking them to do an album review or listen to five out of six of the tunes, I would ask them to write a musical review. It was always off that list I figured I couldn't go wrong now sometimes they hit something for you jazz fans they got into something like Eric Dolphy who is a little bit more um, non-recognizable to the teenage year okay you know it wasn't like listening to Count Basie Atomic Basie you know, but there was something on there for everybody but they had to kind of search around but I had a couple students that wanted the challenge of listening to all 100 albums by the time school got out I had a student from Jazz 2 and a student from Jazz 1, and they would uh, text me, uh, like on Remind, or they'd leave me notes on my desk saying, hey, did you check this one oh, out? Cool. You check, hey, I, where do you think about this? And like we'd check in to see where we are. Now, I did not finish. I was like at 90 at the end of the year. Okay. Um, but the idea was that it was growing my ears and my mind about putting more... Um, sound to those names of those um, exalted jazz musicians through the years that I need to know better. Yes. Now a lot of them I know and knew. I didn't know the songs all by name and so it's just, I mean that's 600 almost 700 tunes getting after it yes. and so that's going to continue to forge my concept of jazz. And you're getting like two birds, one stone here because something that you do well with that is that you demonstrate your love for it and you you make that like attractive. And so yes. that your kids yes. want to get after it too. Because right. there's not many, like 700 songs, right. 700 tunes, right? And there are kids saying, I want to do that. Right. I want to do that too. Right. That's not easy. Right. And they want to get challenged and they want to find those things that are like, oh, that was weird or that was really swinging or that, you know, Oh, I know that tune. I didn't know he's the one that recorded that yeah. one originally, or he made that famous, or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, my my personal listening and my personal study of theory, uh, jazz theory, gospel jazz theory, 
and then being able to play that yeah. is that's an example another example of um, loving, loving the, content. the content yeah okay yeah so no that's that's it and and I've got like yeah. s- doing stuff outside of school what kind of stuff you, you're doing so oh, I'll tell you yeah I, I am will. Um, I like to think of myself as a singer-songwriter. Well, think about yourself like that. I yeah. try to, Steve. Okay. Um, so I, I, um, or goldfish. I play at like local wineries. I play um, guitar and sing, and that's not band, but like it's music, and it is like music theory and trying to figure that stuff out. Um, so that's like a fun thing that I get to do on the side. Um, that's also lucrative, and I really enjoy it, and I enjoy the trying to figure out the the writing aspect of it too and like yeah. getting into chords and, and writing melodies and harmonies and you do some covers too do do mostly covers because that's what people at wineries typically want to hear imagine that um and then i do i do enjoy like arranging music um when i have the time and motivation um i did i, I did some stuff i think i told you like last year i, I published like five tunes on arrange me and yes and I think I sold 11 copies. And boy. So I'm basic, like Hal Leonard, like hire me. That's all I'm trying to say here. Um, so that's, and that's like a fun thing that I like to do because it is a puzzle, right? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's musical and it helps my chops and um, I, I just enjoy it. And, and being, and that does transfer to the classroom, like score study and everything. You know that, yeah. that does. And, and the kids know about some of that stuff and they kind of dig it. Um, and that it does kind of spark some things too in, in like the music theory classes they, they see what's going on and I think you and I are are really good at just kind of we, we like to geek out in front of the kids yeah we do and they they know that and they get a kick out of it right so it's fun so that kind of takes us through trifecta All right because we did love of students love of teaching love of teaching love, love of content. content so in the future when we do these these episodes and we think about the topics, they're all you can fit anything into sure. one of those three because that's that's teaching. Yeah. And while we are band directors, we we're teachers. Teachers. We're teachers first. Right. Teachers first because we got to be there for the kids. Right. So so that's it. Right. That 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 is it. So you kind of got to know us, kind of what we're doing, and um, we're gonna see where this goes. But again, that's kind of a fun thing for us kind of a expression of what we know and maybe also we'll learn something along the way of when we spin some ideas around and that we'll have specific examples on one of the trifectas each week or whatever we do each month or year or decade or day Um, but then also um, maybe it'd be appropriate to have a person come in and talk with us Um, so if you're a music teacher a band teacher this is probably most appropriate for someone that is teaching band but certainly accessible for someone that's teaching seventh grade science absolutely right that any educator right i think it's this best practice is like the broad yeah and when we say the term band right you sub it in with science science whatever whatever you need and it's all the same right it's all the same right we're teaching kids um, 
So this would probably be where we play the exit music, but that. But we don't have it. We don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. But once we do. Oh, you're gonna know about it. Cooking. You'll know about it. Okay. So thank you for being with us for the pilot episode one. This is Steve Peterson and Jack Hinkle, and we're out of here. See ya. Thank you.